0: So we are going to get back here into Hebrews. Um, And we covered in our last study in Hebrews, verses 1 through 8, which is probably the absolute most uh, on-fire exhortation and warning you'll find in the New Testament. He says to them, if you leave Jesus, you cannot be renewed to repentance again. Read it. I didn't make it up. Verses 1 through 8. And and we took a lot of time to discuss the possibilities. If you weren't here for it, go take the time, read it on your own. What I think, in summary form, I'm not going to reestablish every point, but in summary form, these are a group of Hebrews that were going through persecution and trouble. And some among their numbers were even thinking about going back to the law, going back to the temple, offering all those sacrifices for their sins again, coming to the high priest, letting him come on the Day of Atonement and, and, and cleanse them. And the author says... If you're going to go back to that stuff, it's not going to help you. There was a point in time when the sacrifices in the high priest were the only way to come to God, and that did provide renewal. It did provide repentance. But when Jesus Christ came, died, and rose from the dead, that ended. The law was abolished in its effectiveness and atoning for sins. It was waiting for Jesus. And now that Jesus is here, if you're going to forsake him of whom all those sacrifices were about and waiting for and foreshadowing him, and you're going to go back. You can't find forgiveness there anymore. And I believe that's, that's the context. So that's my take on it. But in verses 9 through 12, he's going to speak to them and he's going to say, but you're a different group of people. And essentially the message is keep up the good work and that's the title of the study this morning. Look at chapter 5 verse 11 just for a moment. I think this is kind of the end of verse 11 is where this section we've been studying begins. He says, since you've become dull of hearing. The word dull there is, is uh, nothros, and it just means sluggish, lazy. Ch- Chapter 6, verse 12, he says that you do not become sluggish. It's the same Greek word, nothros. It's used two times in the New Testament, and there they are. So it seems like this is a section of thought that he has introduced to them. We'll talk more about not being lazy in just a moment. But let's begin reading at verse 9 of chapter 6. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you, yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints, And do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. So we begin in verse nine by hearing the pastor's confidence uh, that they were in a good spiritual place. They weren't in the best place, but they certainly were not the group that he was referring to. In verses 1 through 8. It's not that what he said in verses 1 through 8 is not true. It is true. And for some who are going back, that was going to be the case. But he says, but I I have a better hope. So it really is meant to serve as a warning to not do what others are doing. To not um, abandon Jesus and walk away. There is no salvation outside of Jesus. And so... He makes this contrast. He says there in verse 9, but beloved. That's the only time in this entire letter where he uses that kind of term of endearment, beloved. So you can really see after coming off of that, you know, heavy exhortation, he's trying to help them see that, you know, but I have a different view. So beloved, this isn't applying to you. I, I think there are other things that are planned for you that you're going to experience that you're going to walk in, and he will tell them to be diligent in that. Verse ten: God is faithful, for God is not unjust to forget your works. So God is is faithful, and number one, that he's going to remember your works. Uh, you know, if you go back into chapter, uh, well, not chapter, chapter six, verse. 7 and 8, we get that little picture of the field. One field produces fruit. The other one does not produce fruit. And he says, you know, you're the field that produces fruit. And God is not going to forget your labor of love. I don't know if you've ever felt like, man, nobody sees what I'm doing. Nobody sees me laboring and serving. And I'm not getting the thank yous. I'm not getting the recognition that I think I should have. But I want you to know something. The Lord sees. And the Lord will never forget. The Lord's eyes will is upon you as you work and as you labor and do your work unto the Lord and know that there'll never be a time when he will not reward you for the labor of that work. First Corinthians 15 58 addresses this issue. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So our good works, first of all, our good works and our service should abound in the what does he say? the work of the Lord. Right? So in the middle of that sentence, abound in the work of the Lord. There are many good things that you can put your hand to that are honorable, they're noteworthy, but the one thing that a small group of people called Christians in the church should do is they should abound in the work of the Lord. What are the things that he wants his church, he wants you to be doing, your family, and now you should abound in it. What does abound mean? It means to be over and above. An overflow of good works. And so how would you describe your work ethic in this regard? As you think about abounding in the work of the Lord, uh, knowing that God is not going to forget your work, how would you describe it? I hope it's not this, but maybe it's you would say, it's non-existent. I don't do anything. I mean, I got saved, and um, outside of that, I really don't do anything. Well, that, that's not a good thing, especially when we're reading here that there should be this abounding, this over and above heart of service. Or maybe you would say, well, it's a trickle of effort. It's not that I don't do anything, but it would be more like a trickle. I mean, every now and then, I'll get stirred up. I'll see an opportunity and I'll step into that. But it's certainly not a, a lifestyle habit of my life. But maybe some of you would say, well, there's, there's a consistency there. I, you know, I'm pretty regular in serving and helping out and I'm, I'm consistent. But then there comes that which we're actually commanded to do. And that is to abound. Abound in the work of the Lord. There are so many things out there you can spend your energy on. I mean, just, you can you can spend your, your entire life doing things that are meaningless. You can spend your entire life doing things that are honorable among men. And you can never touch the work of the Lord. But we are to be the people that abound in the work of the Lord. It's, it's what our life is all about. And so it seems like in the church there's this Mentality. I don't think you probably have it, but there's this mentality out there. And then it says, you know, well, you either are doing, you know, humanitarian, humanitarian things that are nice and good for this world, or you preach the gospel. And it's like, they're like this, which it just mystifies me. Why do we have to hold them like this? I've got another idea. It's really profound and it's deep and probably nobody's ever thought of it before. Why don't we do both? Why don't we do good works? Why don't we reach out? But reach out in the name of Jesus. If I'm going to give a cup of cold water, let them know that I'm giving the cup of cold water in the name of Christ. If I'm going to go dig a well over in Nepal, which we've done, or set up bathrooms in Nepal, which we've done to get it away from their water supply, let them know we're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. If we're going to help out somebody in need, let them know we're doing it in the name. Let's abound in the work of the Lord. This idea that you either do one or the other, it, it, it's really just, it's not accurate. Nor is it historically true of the church of Jesus Christ. Where do you think hospitals came from? What do you think care for the poor? All of these things, you know, education. You go and you research this out and you find out who are the men, who are the women, that were doing all these things who were the early scientists that were discovering and and inventing and they were understanding the the laws in which we live these were men and women that were followers of Jesus Christ and they wanted to do good And they believed that this world that God had created, because God is a God of order, this world must be orderly, therefore we can study it and we can understand it and we can discover and we can take what we know and learn and we can make this a better place. And thank the Lord for men and women that had the heart and still have a heart like that. But the church was the one that abounded in all of these good works and it should not be separated today. Find out what the Lord wants you to do and do that. And he is never going to forget your work. You might begin to feel like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore, but the Lord, you can find motivation in this, that the Lord is going to look at it. Still in verse 10, he says uh, that we should be diligent, right? He says, he says, you have ministered to the saints and do minister and do be diligent in the work of love. Um, They began doing it and they were still doing it. And that should always be the case. What the Lord has led you into, you should do until the day the Lord puts your hands on a different plow. Just think about being one that has your hands on the plow of God's field and you're, you're on it. And it's hard work, but the Lord has put you there. You keep plowing that field until the Lord says, I've got a different field for you. You know, step back. I'm going to move you over here. But we should be diligent to continue to do this. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 8 through 10. Kind of picks up this this, uh, exhortation. He says, For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, we have opportunity. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith, among believers. Not exclusively, but especially. So be diligent in the work of love. As you serve the Lord, there's going to be times where you begin to feel worn out. You'll begin to feel like the Galatians were. They felt weary in doing good. Maybe they were contemplating pulling back because they weren't seeing the results. They were pouring themselves into somebody or something and they're just not seeing the results. But the question is, has God led you to do that? Because if God has called you to do it, you keep on plowing. You keep working that area of ministry until the Lord says, stop. And the Lord will give you the strength to do that. So be diligent in that work of love. It says God's not going to forget your work and labor of love. And don't grow weary in it. So how are some ways we can show love towards one another in this world? In the broadest sense, I would say use your spiritual gift. First Corinthians 12 teaches us that when we come into the family of God, that the Holy Spirit gives a spiritual gift, at least one spiritual gift to every member who is a part of the body of Christ. Walk in that gifting that God has given to you. Use that gift. First Corinthians 12 is all about spiritual gifts. First Corinthians 14 is all about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 is all about what? It's all about love. But love in the context of what? Using your spiritual gift. So when we use our spiritual gifts, this becomes an opportunity for God's love to be poured out through my life into the household of faith or to whoever I'm interacting with. So if you can think about it, the spiritual gifts that God has given to every believer is like a funnel. And God pours his love through that funnel or through that spiritual gift. And as it comes out, it comes into somebody's life and they are touched by the love of God. So whether you're giving or you're showing mercy or you're helping, you're serving, you're teaching, you're administering, you are doing these things. If it's in the work of the Lord, you're using your spiritual gift, which is a way for God's love to be poured out. So use your spiritual gift and you're going to find that indeed you are loving the saints. Use your financial resources. Help them out. Use that place of intercession in prayer. Pray for people. Stand with them in the midst of the trial and hardship. You may have nothing to say, but just be there. Just be near to them. Exhort them when they lag in diligence and and, and allow that love to be a tough love if need be. As it says in Proverbs, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Hmm. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. There are times when we have to speak the truth and love and wound people with where they really are. But you know what? That's a, that's a faithful wounding that takes place. The other side of it is deceitful are the kisses of any. Oh, you're great. You're great. You're great. Keep backing up. You got a million miles to go. I don't have the heart to tell them i are about to fall off a cliff. You're fine. You're fine. And they go right off the cliff. The enemy will kiss you right into destruction. So there's a place to love people in this manner. What was it that this church was doing? What was their work and labor of love that caught this pastor's attention to say, I know that you are not those who are outside of the faith. I know that you're inside of the faith because I know the kinds of things that you've done. Well, we don't know exactly where this group was, but if it it was Rome, then let me read to you a quote from F.F. Bruce about not only the church in her early days, the church in in, in Rome, but also the church um, later on. He writes, if the recipients of the letter were residents in Rome, Then the behavior for which our author commends them was a precedent for the reputation of Christian charity, which the Roman church enjoyed in latter times. We may think of Ignatius' description, he's a a writer, a Christian, an early church father, as having a a presidency of love. It was the preeminent thing. Or the words of Dionysus, the Bishop of Corinth, in his letter to Soter, Bishop of Rome, in 170 AD. He writes, This has been your custom from the beginning. So this would be what we're reading right now. Your custom from the beginning. To do good in manifold ways to all the brothers, and to send contributions to the many churches in every city, in some places, relieving the poverty of the needy, and ministering to the brothers in the mines those difficult laboring places. He says, you guys have always been at the forefront of giving and helping people out. In Hebrews 10, 32 through 34, he commends them for helping out those that were in prison and ministering to their needs. He says, you even ministered and had compassion on me when I was in my chains. And he says, you joyfully experienced the plundering of your goods. So this was a church that was known for its generosity. They gave to people. They didn't just sit around and say, oh, we're generous. They were generous because they gave. Because they loved. And this is such an important thing. And i am just, I mean, I'm, I commend you. As you give and how generous you are in your giving. That enables us to reach out in so many different places. I mean, for, you know, the, the situation that um, happened in Ukraine, I mean, I know we sent at least $35,000 over to the churches there that they were ministering to the humanitarian needs in the name of Jesus and preaching the gospel. Nobody, you know, the people we gave to, we made certain that they were doing this in the name of the Lord. Um, we gave to many other things. And we often are, are challenged. It's like, well, look how... They're giving and we're like, we, you know, we gave more than we ever gave last year. And yet we've got to find new opportunities. What are the new doors you're leading us through? And so you always respond to that need and you have a heart for that. And so continue. You've done that. Continue to do that. This is something that is so pleasing to the Lord. In verses 11 and 12, he says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. So keep up the good work. But what he says is, is diligence. Have diligence in the faith. This word diligence is, it's a Greek word, spude. And and here's the definition. I think we got it up there for you. It's an earnest commitment and discharge of an obligation or experience of a relationship. What is your obligation to Jesus? What is your obligation to those that are around you? It can be, sometimes the word can be eagerness. It can be translated earnestness, diligence, willingness, zeal. We desire that each one of you show the same zeal, eagerness. We as a people of God should not be reluctant servants that have to be dragged and badgered into service. We should be those that are like clamoring to get to the front of the line to serve. It shouldn't be the other way around. We've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. As it says in Titus, that we might be a people that are, what's the word? Zealous for good works. You've been saved, yes, that you might have a relationship with the Lord. No question about it. But you've also been saved that you might be on fire to serve Jesus. And that should be our life, is to serve and to be diligent. So he says, have diligence. Four times in this epistle, we've seen the word diligence. We can fail in many things in life and it will have no eternal impact, right? There's things you could do. I'm sure you have failed at things just like I have failed at things. But you know what? It doesn't matter if that piece of furniture is put together right and I follow the instructions. It's not falling down. That's okay. It's also okay if I sent that piece of furniture back because I couldn't put it together. You say There's things you fail and it's like I can't do that. I can't fix that thing. I've got to take it to this person. I've got to call a friend over. It's a, that's fine. It doesn't have an eternal impact. There's things that we can't do. You know, maybe in sports or in music or... In a particular career or even in a class, you failed. Well, I hope you will do your very best, but that's not going to have an eternal impact. But not being, being diligent in the faith, that's not, we, we, that's not an opportunity. We must be zealous. We must be eager. We must be willing. We must be prioritizing that obligation that discharge of duty to faithfully love and to be obedient to the Lord. And 2 Peter 1, 5 through 11, I'm going to let you read that on your own. Twice he exhorts that group of believers to be diligent. Diligence is an often a repeated command in scripture. And, and I just, we've talked about this because it's come up so many times in this book, but I just want to encourage you and challenge you. Be diligent. Pay attention. If you are not paying attention to your walk with the Lord, I can assure you that you're just not going to suddenly abound in the works of the Lord. You're not going to suddenly become this on fire student of the word of God. You're not going to become a prayer warrior. You're not going to say, man, I can't believe I don't even want to be a a prayer warrior. I don't even want to read the Bible, but I just can't help myself. That's not going to happen. It's going to be you deciding that this is a priority in your life. And you're going to give yourself to it. And you're going to say no to other things. You're going to say no to certain events and, and time commitments. Spending of money. Because you know what the Lord is calling you to do. So keep up the good work. You do that by being diligent in the faith. And he says... That we should do this to the full assurance of hope. Full assurance of hope. So one of the things that we get through diligence is we get an assurance of where we stand with the Lord. And that's what he's saying to them. Hey, if you go back into that stuff and you apostatize, there is no salvation in there anymore. You can't go there but I don't think that of you. Let me assure you that I think that you're really walking with the Lord. You serve the Lord, keep serving the Lord, and the impact it's going to have upon your life is you're going to have an assurance that comes from that diligence until the very end, that hope. When we are abiding and walking diligently, this is something that we sense from the Spirit of God. He will bear witness with our spirit, as we talked about last week, that we are the children of God. We will cry out, Abba, Father. When you are serving the Lord, there's an assurance that comes from that. What does Jesus say in John 13, 35? By this we know that you are, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Well, the third word of that sentence is all, referring to somebody other than you. But if everybody else can know that we are believers because of our love for one another, do you think it could have an impact on us too? Oh, it absolutely can. And that's what we're reading about right here. That as we show the same diligence of love is going to work in my life, this awareness that I really am a child of God. Now listen, putting your faith and trust in the Lord is how we enter into the family. You, you know, you cannot be saved apart from believing in Jesus Christ. That is how the grace of God comes to you. But once you are in the family and that grace has brought salvation to you, you now are to abound in the work of the Lord, specifically loving people, the household of faith. Not exclusively, but especially. And as you do that, it's going to produce in you an assurance of the hope you have that you really are saved. So for some of you, this is not a point of of concern. You don't struggle with this, am I really saved or not? But let me tell you that there are people sitting all around you that really do struggle with the idea of whether or not they're really part of the family of God, whether they're really going to end up in heaven. And they've put the same kind of faith and trust in Jesus that you have, but one of the challenges that they have is that gets tampered with a lot. You're like, well, I don't even understand that. Well, that's okay. They can't understand your materialism. They don't struggle with that. And those people over there can't understand their lust because they don't deal with that same kind of uh, temptation. And that person over there can't understand that person's anger or fear. You see what I'm saying? All of us have something that we really have to pay attention to. But for those of you that struggle with knowing that you really are part of the family of God, First of all, know from your confession that you are a child of the Lord. But you can also know from the fruit that comes from your life. Jesus said the whole world's going to know you're my disciples. If the whole world can know it, don't you think you can know it? Yeah, you can know it. Let me give you another verse. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Wow. Do you hate your brother? No, no, I love the body of Christ. Well, then I guess you pass from death to life. And now that you know that, walk in the assurance. You know, the enemy does a lot of crazy things. When we don't know that we really are in the family of God, suddenly temptation and foolish decisions seem plausible. Well, if I'm not really saved, then what difference does it make anyway? Oh, but you really are saved if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. If you're walking in love, that love is a testimony that you've passed from death to life. Not saved by works, but works certainly can tell the world that we're his. And evidently, uh, uh, Hebrews 6.11 and 1 John 3.14 says it'll help us out as well. One more verse, 1 John 4.7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So again, you can see, you can have an assurance that you're in a right standing with God because you love. It's evidence that you've been born of God, that you've been born again if you love, because love comes from God. So abound in your love for one of be diligent in that, and it's going to produce in you an assurance of salvation. Look at verse 12. Here he's going to exhort them not to be lazy. He says, That you do not become lazy, sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You can't be lazy. Can you be lazy in anything and be good at it and get the results that you want? What is it that you can just sit back on and ignore and expect it to go well? There's nothing you can do like that. And so we must be diligent and we must uh, not become sluggish. The word sluggish is that word we talked about in the opening found in uh, chapter 5, verse 11. And now here in verse 12, chapter 6, is uh, nothros, which means to be lazy. Sluggish as it's translated So although the writer has highlighted that one particular fruit of love is, um, it is reasonable um, to, so he's focused on love. But it's also reasonable to think that we should be diligent and not lazy in any area of our life. So he's saying, he's talking about love and he said, no, don't be lazy. But let's talk about other aspects of our walk with the Lord. Is there any area in your walk with the Lord that it's okay to be lazy in? And the answer is no. In your quiet times, don't be lazy. Reading the Bible, in your prayer, in giving, in serving, in forgiving, in worshiping, in evangelism. We can't be lazy in any of those things. We need to imitate those who lived it out differently. They showed faith and they showed patience. The Bible warns that a Uh, The lazy man is going to be full of heartache. It's like, I can't, I don't, I can't bother with it. It's too much trouble. I'm not going to worry about it. No, that's actually what brings trouble into your life. The lack of diligence is what causes trouble in your life. Proverbs 15, 19 says, a lazy person has trouble all through life. The path of the upright is easy. So the diligent person is going to benefit. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're never going to have difficulty. But if you want to look at the person who's lazy and the troubles that come upon their life, I'm not going to pay those bills. They don't really need my money anyway. Yeah, you're going to get full of trouble. Because you're not going to pay your insurance. And then you're going to get pulled over. And then your car is going to get impounded. And you can't work, so you can't pay for your car. And now all of a sudden, your life is full of heartache because you weren't being diligent. With one little thing. If that's true in the physical realm, how much more as it relates to spiritual things? Again, you can fail in just about anything in life and it will not impact your eternity. But you cannot fail in the things of the the kingdom. Things that the scriptures talk about of how to live our life. Look at Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down, which is to keep the animals out. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler, And your need like an armed man. So we must be diligent in our faith. You know, again, chapter six, verses seven and eight, he talks about the field. Rain comes down, one is cultivated and cared for, and it produces fruit. The other field, the rain comes down, but it's not cultivated. And what ends up producing is all kinds of briars and thorns. And so what's the result? One person is diligent and on top of it with their walk with the Lord, and the other person is not. Are you saying we're saved by works? No, not saved by works, but once you're saved, you want to take care of what you have. And what you have is your faith. And so you must put effort into it. You must be on top of those types of, of things in your life. In verse 12, he says, Imitate those who have shown diligence. Right, But imitate and in two ways. First, through faith. Although we are required to labor and to be diligent and avoid laziness, we never should conclude, conclude that our salvation comes apart, through, apart from faith. So we, we must imitate those who have faith. And secondly, through patience. We must be patient in waiting for God to produce what he wants to produce in our life. How many have given up on something before it's come to its, its conclusion? You give up. You, you run out of steam. You run out of energy. You get discouraged. You're like, ah, oh, forget it. And you miss out. It's like, again, what it says in Galatians. Don't grow weary in doing good. For you will reap in due season if you don't lose heart. There are seasons of ministry. There are seasons of of a person's life and maybe you've been pouring yourself into a person or person's life and you're not seeing the fruit. Don't grow weary in doing good. Are you doing a good thing? If what you're saying and what you're doing is good and the Lord approves of it and he hasn't given you permission to back away, then don't back away. Keep on pressing on, have patience, have patience in trials, have patience in service as we're talking about, have patience that Jesus is going to return. So, you know, keep up the good work. I know so many of you are walking with the Lord. You're serving the Lord. You're seeking the Lord. You're doing everything that's necessary. Keep pressing on and don't allow yourself to become discouraged. Now, if you're at that place where it's like, yeah, I'm not being diligent. And I am probably more lazy than I am faithful. Then allow today to be that day that you decide, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to stop. You know, we all have to come to the place where like I am done being lazy with this salvation that's been given to me. You're not going to just accidentally fall into um, the blessings of the Lord. You inherit them through faith and patience. And if you've not been diligent, today is the day for you to be diligent. Um, I came across this. I don't think it really applies. To, I'm not like meaning this to be a big rebuke. I just kind of found it a little bit funny, a little bit, it could sting a little bit. So um, I don't know if it feels like it applies to you. Maybe it does. You know, they say if you take a rock and throw it in a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one that got hit. If you yelp, well, okay, <laughs> you got hit. 12 points of a lazy Christian. Thou shall not permit your commitment to God to get in the way of your friends, hobbies, favorite sports teams or TV shows. Only fanatics follow their Christianity, allow their Christianity to take control of their lives. That's what the fanatics say, or The lazy Christian says don't want to be a fanatic. Number two, thou shall remember the Sabbath day and keep it full of activities with family and friends for the pastor will understand if you can't make it to church. Number three, thou shalt not testify to the lost about Christ, for you wouldn't want to upset an unbeliever with their sin. Thou shalt not read and study your Bible, but instead expect the pastor to feed you. In addition, thou shalt complain at every feeding, insisting that the pastor does not know how to preach and isn't meeting your needs, your children's needs, or for that matter, anyone's needs. Number five, thou shalt not Give the tithe, only a pittance, for God understands that you are poor and can't do any more. Number six, thou shalt not spend much time in prayer, for if you do, you might wear holes in the knees of your pants. Yeah, that's a really good reason there. Number seven, thou shalt not help in any capacity in the church, for everyone knows that the pastor is supposed to do everything. I really don't believe this. There are, I mean, if, in any given week, there are over 300 people that serve at this church. So that's, you know, you are abounding in the work of the Lord too. But it is just just the portrait of the lazy Christian. If you were to help, it would prevent the pastor from feeling needed since he doesn't have anything to do anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. You like that one. Okay, all right. Interesting what you laugh about, okay. Thou shalt not reach out thy hand to the poor the needy, the widow, or the orphan, for that is the work of the welfare program. Thou shalt not permit any gossip to pass you by, but capture each and every morsel so that you may share it with others. <laughs> Thou shalt not worry about the unbeliever, the drug addict, the alcoholic, or the prostitute, for everyone knows that to touch them is worse than leprosy. Thou shalt also ignore the needs of those on the mission fields. For thank God you aren't called to do anything for them. Number 11. Thou shalt expect recognition at every opportunity. Whether it is from the pulpit, in the bulletin, or in personal conversation. This should include a reserve parking space. Now, some of you are like, yeah, we could use some reserved parking spaces here. You do. The one you parked in, it was just for you. A special title. If thou... Does not receive this recognition, you shall throw a temper tantrum before the pastor and threaten to stop giving your pittance to the church. <laughs> That's clever. Thou shalt blame the devil for everything you do wrong and everything that goes wrong in your life, for you know it can't be your fault. You're not a lazy Christian. You are those of whom there are better things, things that concern salvation. You've been given a gift. You've been given a treasure. Be faithful with it. Protect it. Guard it. Let it grow into a field that is abounding with fruit and love one another till the very end. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your kindness and your care for us. Thank you, Lord, that you have begun a good work in us and we believe the promise that you're going to finish it. And Lord, it gives us encouragement. It gives us comfort to know that you're at work in our life. And that it's not just resting upon our shoulders, but that salvation is your idea from the first to the last. And so, Lord, we want to be found faithful, though. We want to be those that are being diligent, that we are zealous, that we're on fire for the things of your kingdom. Lord, if our heart be cold, If we have grown lazy, sluggish in the matters of our spirituality, I pray that you would move us off that mark this morning. And I want to give you a chance to pray right now. If that's you, agree with the Lord that it's time to get serious. It's time to roll up your sleeves, get your hands on the plow, get into the Word, get into prayer, faithful service, faithful giving, faithful, evangelizing, loving those that are around you. Get out of yourself. The more you think about yourself, the worse it's going to get. Don't go find yourself. You're going to be scared to death what you locate and what you find. Give yourself away. Jesus said that if you love him, then that we would take up his cross and we would deny ourselves. If we seek to save our life, we're going to lose it. But if we give our life away, if we lose our life for his sake, we're going to find it. We are a self indulgent people, Americans. And we are used to having all of these conveniences and everything is about us. But that is not the kingdom of God. And your citizenship is in heaven. You may have a passport here on earth, big deal. You've got citizenship in heaven. Let that be the priority.